another episode of Dr. Me First with me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. Aaron Wiseman. I am so excited to bring you this episode. I mean, I know I'm excited to bring you lots of episodes, but this one truly has a special place in my heart. You know when I'm talking about helping people, helping you move out of a place of burnout, brokenness, and despair to one that is joy-filled, sustainable, and that you absolutely freaking love? Well, the woman today that you are about to meet, she did that for me. She was my first coach. She introduced me to all of these ideas and concepts. She helped shed some light into the dark area that I was in, and she helped set me on a path to where I am today. I am eternally grateful for her, and I am just so excited to have her on the Dr. Me First podcast. So with no further ado, this is Dr. Philippa Keneally talking to us all today about leadership. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the podcast, my friend, my colleague, my coach, Dr. Philippa Keneally. It's so nice to have you here with me today. Oh, thank you. I am so looking forward to this conversation. It's been a while. It has been a while. I think when we were talking ahead of time, five or six years. So I'm so glad to introduce you to all of my people. The, the, the coach that I went to when I was tears in my eyes, breaking down, now one of your little fledglings has flown. So thank you so much for that. Tell the audience all about your beautiful self. Well, first of all, I just want to say congratulations on everything that you're doing. I'm so proud of you. And just it's very exciting to see you, out, as you say, flown out there, you know, left the nest, doing your thing, taking care of your family, and yet finding joy in your work. So I'm really, really thrilled and excited to, to see that. All right, so a little bit about me. Um, I have a rather torturous career to describe. As you can tell, I probably wasn't born in this country. In fact, I was. I wasn't. I was born in South Africa. Came here as a young physician. Redid some training in this country in order to be able to practice here and started out life as a family physician after a residency in a community practice in Santa Monica in California. And then about six or seven years into practice, realized that I was starting to hate it because we were deep into California's big HMO stuff. And I was, I was filled with resentment. And it went beyond resentment to sort of disengagement, and frustration. And I realized that I ran the risk of possibly even hurting a patient because I was becoming disengaged. So I knew that I needed to get out. So way back in the 90s, I left. I Well, I didn't leave immediately. I actually put myself in a, in a training program. I did the, a, a brand new Masters in Public Health at UCLA, an executive program. And midway through that two-year program, the opportunity to become a medical director at our local hospital that had just been acquired by UCLA came open, got that position, did that for a couple of years, finished up my Masters in Public Health, and then at the same time, got the opportunity to go on to actually become the hospital leader. Um, my, my, my CEO had departed, and so I stepped into his role. 
did that for a few years and sort of, um, you know, I liked it. It was very interesting. Lots of challenges, huge challenges. Very interesting to be on the administrative side of healthcare. But I wasn't passionate about it. So when a dot-com company came knocking and said, how would you like to come work for a dot-com startup? I jumped at the opportunity, went and did that for a little over a year and probably would still have been doing it at this point because it was so much fun. It was so interesting. It was a product that was way ahead of its time because it needed a lot of broadband in an era where we really only had about 15% of the population on broadband. It was all about healthy behaviors, how to change one's behavior. It was, it was very cool. But the company folded, and this was in the early 2000s, and I had to sit back and take a very hard look at my life and say, um, what do I really want at this point? Did a lot of reflecting. And I'd been put in charge of this thing called coaching when I was at the dot-com company, and I had absolutely no idea what it was. So I read up about it and thought, well, it looks like a really cool midlife career um, or maybe even a retirement career opportunity until I suddenly realized that this probably was my moment. So I did a little research, found a company that trained and certified coaches, did the program, completely fell in love with it. Absolutely. I, I felt like I was able to get back into that intimate relationship that I'd had as a family physician without all the layers of bureaucracy and I'll can use other terms but I probably won't use them on this uh, podcast but I was able to have that kind of very personal intimate relationship with my clients and help them achieve something in an even more leveraged fashion you know as a doctor you're helping somebody one-on-one as in, in this role as a coach I was helping a doctor helping others. So I, it, it was so satisfying to feel that leverage. And I started out sort of doing general coaching and I realized I, if you're going to survive in this world of marketing and selling and you're growing a business, you, I had to actually narrow down my niche. And I realized I was having a lot of fun working with physicians, helping them develop new businesses. So I actually rebranded myself in 2006 and became the entrepreneurial MD. Did that work for, gosh, well, I still do some of that work, but it was only literally this year I shuttered that website. I don't shutter that work, but you can only, you know, I just couldn't maintain three blogs because I also had another website called The Physician's Odyssey that was specifically geared towards the steps of our career change. I just couldn't maintain three different blogs. And so I, I narrowed it all down and have, have started focusing more on working with physicians in helping them become effective leaders because we are sorely lacking that strong physician voice at the, the table making the most important decisions. So that's that's been it i've been at the last so that's what 17 years now i've been doing this for 17 years and have just loved every step of it still look forward to my work look for the minute i know i've got a client session i look forward to it i get excited by it it's um it's very thrilling work for me so uh you know i'm sort of a living testament to the fact that you can have three or four careers and land up 
feeling happy at the end of it all. Yes. And nobody starved. I remember telling my husband, I said, if Philippa can feed her family in California, I can do this too. (laughs) Yes. So the interesting thing was I have to confess that I did make minus $11,000 in my first year because there was all that, you know, setting everything up. And, but I considered that to be my investment in the business. And honestly, within the first year, by the end of the first year, I was at the six figure income. That's wonderful. So, yeah, it's, it's very, very satisfying. I had, there was an enormous, enormous learning curve because I had to learn how to run a business. I had to learn how to market my services. Um, but I refined it and I evolved it. And by the time I went from my original business, which had been called Oya Consulting, by the time I became the, the entrepreneurial MD, I had really learned what the internet was about and how to use that. And I was doing teleseminars and I was doing podcasts and I was doing, I had newsletters and I was blogging three times a week. And it was, it, it, it was amazingly surprising as to how the internet delivered my clientele to me. I expected that physicians weren't online, that maybe people who were writing the throwaway magazines and journals for physicians and looking for some expertise on uh, your business development, business development for physicians would, um, you know, would, would, would want somebody to consult with. But to my surprise, I was constantly being contacted by physicians. It's harder now. You know, the world of the internet has changed quite considerably and you can't just rely on some keywords. So you you have to be more targeted and more careful in your strategies. But it is amazing what you can actually generate for yourself. Absolutely. Well, and that segues us into your word today, which we're going to talk all about leadership since that's, that's what you do. And that's the, to me, that's the example that you shine out into the world. So when it comes to leadership and my listeners, what do we need to know? Well, I, I, I don't want to, first of all, give people the impression that the only way you can be a leader is, you know, you've got to get yourself into some healthcare system and you've got to be a leader. I think we need to think of ourselves as, even as physicians, we are leaders in our community. And what does it mean to take on that responsibility? So we're leaders uh, when it comes to the health of our community. We're leaders when it comes to running our practices. Um, You probably know very well, you're a leader within your family. So, you know, I, I went with my clients, I do want to explore with them, what does it mean to be a leader? You know, what, what is one, ta- when we take on the mantle of leadership, what exactly are we taking on? What is our responsibility? What is it that we bring to the table? And what, how are we using that in service of the betterment of whatever it needs betterment? So I, I do want to expand this view of leadership. Uh, my particular passion is uh, with the idea of the work that I'm doing in my coaching. Um, and as, as I say, it's not exclusive, but where, I, where I'm enjoying some focus at present is in working with physicians. I, and I, I, I'm doing it mo- mostly with physicians, but it, it does apply across a, a number of different 
specialties within the healthcare system. I want physicians to be strong, powerful, articulate, educated advocates for the sanctity of the physician-patient relationship. So I almost think of it as there's this enormous great thing called the healthcare system, but at its sort of unitary level, if at, at its cellular level, each little cell is a physician-patient relationship or a nurse practitioner patient relationship or a nurse patient relationship or a physical therapist. There's something about being a clinically trained person who's responsible for the health of somebody else. And they're in this profoundly intimate relationship that if you're a CFO or a, you know, somebody who's specialized and gone to business school and have never delivered that care at that level, and are sitting making healthcare decisions, you cannot possibly powerfully advocate for that relationship unless you've actually been in it. I regard it as a, a highly sacred, sacrosanct, very special relationship. And that's what needs to be protected. And if we think of our healthcare system sort of multiplied up into this big thing called a system or an organization or whatever it is we're looking at, at its unitary level, we're looking at thousands and thousands and millions and millions of, let's call them providers. I know we don't love the word provider, but I am using it in its more expanded term. Healthcare provider, patient relationships. We've got to protect that. And that's, I think it's the loss of that that is frustrating the heck out of our doctors. I know it frustrated the heck out of me. And it's what really drove me out of health, out of my own practice as a family physician. Um, I got so frustrated with the administrative overlay, and this was before electronic medical records. So I was filling out in triplicate my request with the same patients. I had to write the H&P for the patient for a physical therapy for their bad knee, and then a second triplicate for the orthopedic referral, and then a third triplicate for their MRI. It's the most ridiculous, tedious nonsense. And then often would disappear into some system and I'd wait a week or two. Obviously it's, it's more efficient now, but I'd wait a week or two to hear back from the IPA as to whether I got approval for these things for the patient. Well, the patient didn't have access to the IPA. They only had access to my office and to me. So they would be complaining bitterly and as frustrated as anything because, you know, where is my referral? When am I going to get my referral? And I just felt stuck stuck in between enormous ridiculous bureaucracy and angry genuine legitimately angry frustrated patients and so that's what drove me out and that's what i think we need to find ways to protect absolutely that's my passionate rant about i leadership. love it i love it <laughs> and i think that's so true because you know, it is. It's death by a million cells if we mm -hmm. look at it that way. Mm -hmm. And that's that's why we have so much organization or even organ dysfunction in healthcare is because at the heart of it, that's why we all went into medicine because we wanted to have that small spark of magic whenever we sit down and talk with a patient or whenever we really see them. And we're the first person that really saw them beyond their diagnosis. Exactly. And... Mm -hmm. I'm just interested. I think that we're in a tough age, but I think we're also positioned in 
a great age right now where there are so many more ideas and practice types coming forward with like DPC and people kind of going off the grid of uh, traditional healthcare organization and healthcare organizations who are getting a fucking clue and listening to their doctors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here listening to you talk and uh, about leadership and about your experience with it. And I love your expanded view that we are leaders in so much capacity. Where do you see some top areas where we can improve our leadership? Uh, I love the question. And I guess if I was to boil it down to a couple of areas. And what I'm going to say is obviously broad generalizations. But a lot of why we went into medicine is because we're relatively strong, opinionated, um, quick learner, you're quick to dispense advice type people. And then on top of us, we've got the societal pressure to fix things. We need to jump in, give solutions, give people answers, give them treatments, get them better. And so we're good at that. That's what we do as doctors. And all of a sudden, you know, if you look at leaders in general, who, you know, what constitutes really effective leadership? It is our capacity to work with our colleagues of all different stripes and shapes and types to take a broader, more team-based view of how to best deliver care. We need to have the humility to know that there's a lot of stuff that we don't know and to be okay with that. You know, we don't have to know the ins and outs of how to finance things, but we do know, we do need to know how to have respectful conversations with people who do have that knowledge. And yet at the same time, we need to advocate for, and, and we need to be able to communicate effectively why we must protect these cellular uh, pr healthcare provider patient relationships. So we need communication skills, particular kind of communication skills. We need the capacity to collaborate in ways that we've not been asked to do, we can no longer, when we get ourselves into leadership positions, and particularly you know, within hospital systems or healthcare systems, we, we can't exactly arrive, write a set of orders, and then expect everybody to run around and fulfill our doctor's orders. It doesn't work that way. And interestingly enough, more often than not, physicians move into leadership positions primarily because they're at viewed as being successful influences of their medical colleagues, you know, their physician colleagues. Well, you don't tell other doctors what to do. It just doesn't go over well. So you have to learn how to communicate with them with influence when you don't have authority. There's a set of skills that one learns with that. So it's about communication. It's about influence. We also need to understand what does it mean to think strategically? It's not necessarily, we don't have those sort of business skills as part of our training. So some of the work I do with my physician clients is helping them understand what does it mean, what does strategy mean, and how do I contribute meaningfully and effectively to strategic conversations? How do I um, how do I show humility? Oh, not an easy thing for us doctors. I, it's it's glib to say that, and it sounds like you know, well, we're not humble people. 
we are it's not whether we're humble or not it's it's how we learn to express ourselves in ways that don't turn other people off so the it, it, it's a broad array of skills but they're not skills that are innate to being a physician i mean physicians do bring a, a certain strength to the table they bring a clarity they bring decision making skills they they have low tolerance for the endless waffle that goes on about how to make you know decisions so there's a there, there's a usefulness in being able to say look let's cut cut through all the nonsense let's just cut to the chase and say this sounds like we need to make that but there's a way to do that that is collegial with the other folks on your team so these are the kinds of things that are areas for physicians to focus on you're really learning those as as new muscles new muscular skills in uh in their leadership development and pumping them up getting them stronger exactly. i love it and practice 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 yes yes <laughs> build that muscle memory mm -hmm. well if any of my listeners are like i need this in my life I need to go learn how to communicate more effectively. I need to understand better how to collaborate with my team. Where can they find out more about you? Well, if they're looking on the web, the best way to find out about me is I've focused all my languaging at this time and my blog writing on a site called The Physician Executive, which is the MD Executive or the mdexec.com. -E um, so it's P, if they want to email me, they can contact me directly through my site or they can email me at pkeneally at the mdexec and I'll spell that. That's P as in Peter, K-E-N-N -N, as in Nancy Nancy, E-A-L-Y at the mdexec. Or they can call me. I'm in Pacific Standard Time at present and I'm 310-476-6116. That's my office number. And then I also have a profile on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I think it's a very powerful tool when used effectively. Um, I love to be active on there and there's some really good stuff that people share and put out there for, for folks. So I have a profile, they just look up my name on LinkedIn and it'll have some contact information there as well. I love it. Well, I will include all of that into the show notes. So if you're driving right now, don't be getting in a car accident. You just need to go to my website and you can have all of these links that you want. Philippa, thank you so much for coming on the Dr. Me First podcast. It has just been it such is, a delight to catch up with you. It is totally my pleasure. Totally my pleasure. And I just wish you all the very best and keep on doing what you're doing. You know, we all have those people in our lives who just makes such an impact. And I really am so, so thrilled to have Philippa on the podcast. I remember in one of our coaching calls when I told her, I think I want to do what you do. And she didn't dissuade me. She didn't encourage me. She really stayed in coach mode and made me dig through that and figure out what my next steps were and how I was going to transition my life to being a coach. So Philippa, 
from the deepest depths of my heart, thank you. I just so appreciate you. And I just want to throw that out to other people. There is help available. You just have to ask for it. You just have to open up and be a little bit vulnerable and say, hey, I need help. I am struggling in this. And I know from personal experience that it makes a world of a difference. I know from the coach's side, when people come to me and they are really ready, not just dabbling, which is fine. I mean, it's okay to dip a toe in the water and try it out. But then they are 100% in, like, I've been listening to you. I've been Facebook stalking you. I've been reading everything that you're putting out, and I'm ready to really do this. Nine times out of 10, they really, really do it. So I hope maybe someday some of you out there who are listening, who've worked with me, gosh, I hope I get to be on your podcast, just like Philippa came on mine today. And if you're sitting out there and you're like, okay, okay, Aaron's not telling any falsehoods. This is it. It really, it really, really was it. I remember that first call that I got on with Philippa. I think I blubbered and cried more than I actually talked. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what it's like to sit with a colleague, to have somebody who's a few steps ahead of you and knows how to guide you and ask the questions and open up your mind so that you see new possibilities and you can move to new things. And I'm just putting it out there. It's cool. It's amazing. It's great work. And I would love, love, love it for each one of you. So with me, you can always jump in our mastermind, the one I keep talking about every single episode. So check that out in the show notes, or we can just talk directly, and that would be awesome too. So check the show notes. I want to hear from you. I really do. And remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. Bye. Heavy lids.